T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. About that catch he made on the sinking liner. Oh, it was a great catch, but it, I was more concerned about the cutoff guy he missed after that, you know. So, but yeah, no, it was it was a, it was, a, it was a great it was a great catch. You know, he had a good jump on it, uh, fearless, not afraid of you know to you know to make mistakes, which is what what we want. Um, so overall, it was it was just great to see. Really, he's gonna he's gonna go out there again today. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The score: David Hop, Bruce Levine. Talking baseball until 11 o'clock. That was Pedro Grafol talking about Oscar Colas making a diving catch. I love the fact that he said, yeah, great job, but you missed the cutoff, Matt. So this is Pedro Grafol being himself, uh, focusing on the fundamentals. That's been a point of emphasis for a team that needed it this spring training, Bruce. I have a couple things that I, I have stood out to me, but overall, I think that Pedro Grafol, and that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of attention to detail the White Sox fans can maybe come to expect, and you hear that, and you kind of chuckle and think, "Okay, this is this is why he's here." It's a great point, David. And you know, obviously, uh, you know what occurred with the White Sox last year with uh, Larusa and the team just being uh, awful defensively, lacking, uh, you know, a lot of energy. Team uh, teammates from last year, former teammates coming out and saying that we weren't a family last year. So. Oh, there's a, it's wide open for Pedro Grafal and his coaching staff to march right through there. And also, more importantly in sports, as you know this, David, anybody that's watched sports for a long time, you have to have a hammer. And a first-year manager like Grafal, he's got the hammer, okay? Uh, you have a group of players that were disappointing, that basically uh, got a manager fired, that, that ended up uh, being one of the best most disappointing teams in the game last year, uh, they have their hat in hand. They must pay attention to everything Grafal and the coaching staff say. Uh, sure, they're guaranteed spots on the team. They're guaranteed at-bats in the lineup. But I, I think the focus has to be on we're embarrassed, and we need to get back to where we are a championship-caliber team again. We better listen to this guy. We didn't listen to anybody last year. We were on our own, uh, off on our own tangent. Uh, let's go out there and not be embarrassing this year in 2023. All right, Bruce, I, I need you to help me talk through something here because I'm experiencing a metamorphosis. And I am coming around to this idea that and I have been accused in the past of being maybe too pro Aloy Jimenez. And then 
I hated the idea of him playing in the outfield because everything that happens in the outfield with Aloy is associated with injury. And I thought, okay, hide his glove. I think I said a time or two on this show. So I, I need you to help me out here because I, I'm feeling it happen again. I'm getting a little carried away. I'm feeling very optimistic, very enthusiastic, and very much in Aloy's camp because, Bruce, this is the first time I can remember a spring training and watching Aloy Jimenez. And we haven't seen much of the White Sox. They're not on television back here in Chicago as much as the Cubs are. But when you see Aloy at the plate, and when we saw him playing for the Dominican Republic in the, in the World Baseball Classic, Bruce, he looks athletic. He looks leaner. He looks like an athlete. And I think in the past he looked like a baseball player. And that's not a disparaging a baseball player. I'm saying that in the past he was a little doughy. He looked like a guy that was almost waiting to be, you know, waiting to pull a hamstring if he ran too hard down the path, uh, the base paths. And I, I'm, I'm falling for again, Bruce, because he looks like a guy that can't stay Put him stay at shortstop, David. Put him at no, shortstop. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But does he look better to you? And if he stays yeah, healthy, what is he capable of? He looks like a guy that I trust now a little bit more than I did before spring training started. I don't know what that means, but I think I trust him more. I love your optimism. I really do. And, I, and I'm optimistic about him, too. He lost 25 pounds. So that goes along exactly with what you're talking about. A leaner, meaner, uh, a machine-type baseball player that uh, has something to prove. Uh, he's he's got to prove to himself, first and foremost, throughout his career, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yeah, a couple of them were freak injuries, okay? Going over the fence and dragging your arm and, uh, you know, pulling your shoulder out, uh, you know, freak injury. But being more athletic and being able to make those baseball players, I, I think, are essential. Uh, do I want him out there 81 times a year in right field this year? No, I, I don't. I, I, I don't. At his very best, I, I don't think he's going to be the outfielder. Oscar Colas is going to be in right field. Um, so I'm with you I agree with wise. that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I agree with, with that. But I, I, yeah. I, what, what will that mean to the White Sox, though, in terms of that flexibility, even if it is? I guess right. I'm saying I'm more open to one or two times a week more than I was before because he doesn't look like somebody that is a player who can't handle that responsibility or that lo- workload. Yeah, I, you know, here, here's the conundrum, David. You got a guy that's been injured every year of his career, except uh, 2020 when he, I think he played 58 out of the 60 games that were played that year. So knowing that, can you protect a player from injury? To a certain extent, you can. Uh, but he still has to run the bases. He still has to be athletic out there. He still has to slide. So from that perspective, I would... I, I'm, I'm all for limiting him in some ways from being in the field, but you, you, you have to keep him athletic as a base runner as well, athletic in the mindset of uh, you know, just a 26-, 27-year-old guy who's um, not even close to his prime, yet, prime years yet, uh, being enthusiastic and, and looking forward to the chance, hey, I'm going to play twice this week. We're, we're playing against... We got two left-handers uh, that we're going up against in Seattle, so we're so I'm going to play twice out there in three games. 
I, I, I want that for Jimenez. I want that for the White Sox. I want that excitation. I also want him to be as smart as possible to try to keep him on the field for 550 at-bats. 550 at-bats for Jimenez means, to me, 35 home runs and 110 RBIs. Okay, I think that that's is the essential part of what you want Jimenez to be. But can you protect him totally against himself being a baseball player? I don't, I don't think you can. Probably not, Bruce. But here's the other thing as we, as we talk about the leaps of faith we make annually during spring training. The one thing I wonder about Aloy this time around is that when I see a leaner body, when I see somebody who did lose 25 pounds, I think that I equate that with somebody who is becoming a better professional, who understands what it takes to stay healthy, who might not have respected that part of the, the job description before. So fitness, conditioning, you know, me- physical toughness, mental toughness, these kinds of things, the discipline it requires to work out in the off season to lose 25 pounds so you can stay healthy to me bodes well for his ability to number one stay on the field and at, at the plate and number two be engaged in a way that you have to remain engaged at designated hitter yeah great points I, you know I think it's just called maturity David yeah there's and you know we take for granted when these guys come up at 19 20 21 years of age that they're, um, they're professionals, they know how to uh, play the game. In some cases, they do. But as far as life goes and, uh, you know, how you look at yourself personally, how you take care of yourself, you know, you're, you're 21 years old, you, you, you have a contract for 70 or $100 million, uh, you're infallible. There's nothing that you have to do. You've already proved that you're a great athlete. You've already solidified the fact that you're going to be a rich person for the rest of your life, you got it made. So at certain point in time, reality kicks in for a lot of these young men, and they realize, hey, uh, I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself. I don't want to go out there and get hurt every time I play. I'm a professional. I'm one of the best that there is in this sport. I have to take a little bit more pride in what I do. Speaking of maturity, Bruce, and the evolution players go through, I I wanted to ask you a question about Tim Anderson. I have enjoyed, like a lot of people in Chicago, seeing the way that he has been celebrated and appreciated by Team USA, whether it's Mark DeRosa, the manager, talking about the way he's a catalyst in the clubhouse. The story by Ken Rosenthal was outstanding. Mike Trout complimenting the way he swings and the impact he has. And then Tim Anderson himself, Bruce, being very open to playing second base for Team USA. This is for his country. It is patriotic. But I want to ask you this. <laughs> How many White Sox fans out there uh, did it go through their heads like, okay, if Tim Anderson is willing to play second base for the good of the country <laughs> for Team USA because Trey Turner's uh, at shortstop and this is his way to contribute, did, you, did it make you wonder if the best thing for the White Sox might be Tim Anderson at second base if Elvis Andrews is a – is a better defender, a 14-year veteran at shortstop, and maybe that is the best way to go to 2023? Is that a fair question to ask yourself once you heard how Tim Anderson has been such a willing second baseman? Well, I think it's a great question because you're getting to the point of you know asking me, are the White Sox more concerned about making Tim Anderson happy or are is Tim Anderson uh, more concerned about uh, being – the best player he can be wherever they put the White, White Sox put him. And 
And I think there's that hesitancy uh, mm -hmm. to move him because they're afraid it's going to uh, it's going to make him upset. It's going to make him a lesser player. Um, I I think he probably would be a better second baseman. I think the responsibility level is different over there, and you got a young kid coming that's probably just uh, a year from now going to be a uh, outstanding shortstop in the major leagues in Montgomery. With with that in mind, and knowing that uh, Andres has never played second base either, so why would you ask Andres to play second if he never played there before? When you have Anderson that could do it as well. So I'm I'm all for uh, change, but uh, change would have to have occurred. It would have had to occurred, David, uh, from the fall going into spring training, telling Tim Anderson he's no longer going to be the shortstop at the Chicago White Sox. I don't know why. I, I think that I, he, he I, made. I, a, I understand what you're saying. Quick, I, I quick understand. transition to being second base in in, in team. USA's, you know, mini training camp or, or whatever they wanted to call it. it I, I think it's maybe a little bit overstated the differences between the two spots. I think it, it may not make that much of a difference, but it is a subtle, subtle change. But it's I the just Vegas weekend he... for Anderson. Okay, David, it's like, you know, <laughs> what what goes on in the World Baseball Classic stays in the way stays there. World Baseball. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's how I equate it. Uh, you know, everything, oh, I'm going to do everything I can for my country and where they, where they want me to play. I'm playing with the best players. I'm one of the best players. But it can be, what it can be, David, and, and your point's well taken, what it can be is an eye-opener saying, hey, I'm just a baseball player. If the White Sox want me to play second base and we're a better team there and we have a better shortstop and I can still be the star of this team at second base leading off, why wouldn't I move? Well, the good news is, Bruce, that he's playing like the player we remember, not the one who missed the final two months of last season and started, you know, really slowly and struggled at times um, in 2022. So that's encouraging sign for the White Sox. I need to get to another point, Bruce, before we get out to the phone lines again. The bullpen. I, I wonder about the optimism that I think the White Sox – you know, feel heading into this season, they feel like their pitching can carry them. But and some things about the, you know, positional players, you feel very good about because of what you've seen. Do you trust this bullpen? Because still, the Liam Hendricks situation is sad but uncertain. Ronaldo Lopez could be a guy that emerges as a potential closer if you go by committee. How do you feel about the White Sox bullpen, and how much does that prevent you from being too bullish on what to expect this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, the names are good. The names are really good, and uh, the uh, the records from those names are, are really good. But are they still the pitchers that they were? That, I think that's what you're asking. And and without Hendricks back there backing it up, uh, it, it has a different look. We don't know about the injured pitchers coming back here. We don't know about Lopez as a closer. We know he's been outstanding as a bullpen pitcher the last two years. Uh, Graveman is probably s still best off setting up you know so uh a bummer coming off of an injury again not sure where he's at so from from that perspective i i have my concerns about the bullpen and it's mostly about uh the health of the bullpen and uh where, where they fit in but i i'm not i'm not opposed to lopez coming in and, and closing games I, I think that's probably a good idea the manager the coaches the front office they have a decision to make because lopez is so good at the middle innings or, or, you know, getting you through the, uh, from the sixth to the eighth, 
Um, that, that's such an important role in, in modern baseball, too, with knowing that starting pitchers are out of there so often after five or into the sixth inning. And he's finished so strong last year, Bruce, in his final 42 appearances had a 1.87 ERA. Opponents hit only 188 against Ronaldo Lopez. He seemed to get it. He was pitching with command and confidence, and you'd like to see that continue no matter the inning that they call on him. Okay, let's go back to the phone line. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. That's where we find Chip, who is in Villa Park. Chip, welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, guys. Hey, I was just wondering what you think regarding the, the WBC and its effect on the White Sox, specifically in their up-the-middle defense. I mean, that's basically the the strongest part for teams that are winning uh, ball clubs. You know, if you got your center fielder, short, second catcher working well, but with the White Sox, you've got two of those components missing because of the uh, World Baseball Classic. And with Anderson needing to mesh with a guy like Elvis Andrews, who's playing second base, for the first time in his career and Robert having to get used to a, a new left fielder and a rookie right fielder. Um, how much do you think of an impact playing in the WBC is going to affect the White Sox up the middle defensively? And how long do you think it's going to take for those guys to mesh uh, since they're not getting that time together in spring training? Thanks, Chip. Good phone call. Interesting question, Bruce. What do you think? Well, I, I think it will take a little while. The, the thing is, um, you know, Andres is a true professional. He's been working hard at second base uh, in spring training here, but he's never played there before. So, so everything is is a little different. Uh, Anderson, I'm not worried about. He was, if you think back to 2021, he was one of the most improved defensive players in Major League Baseball. He played a great shortstop for the White Sox. I think with his personal issues behind him and a, a, you know, a, a clear view after being hurt last year, I think he can go back to being that player again. I hope he can because he was, he was not a good shortstop again in the 80 games that he played last year. So uh, I, I have concerns about it. I don't have any concerns about Robert. Uh, I think uh, you know, these guys, the good news is Robert, Anderson, um, you know, uh, Lynn, they're, they're all game ready. They're, they're way ahead of everybody else you know, yep. to start the season. Uh, Lynn, you know, I have some concerns because you don't want a, a veteran pitcher to, to be peaking too early before the season starts. But uh, in general, you know, the, the good news is that they, they look really good and they're ready to go. Um, I, I'm not as concerned with that. Ben Attendee's a, a huge upgrade in left field. In right field, Colas is a, a, a work in progress, but it's going to be a better defender than what they had out there. And hopefully Andrews is going to be improved at second base. So I think uh, upgrades everywhere. Be, yeah, I, I think upgrades everywhere, and that's again, that's encouraging. Uh, the, the lack of repetitions, uh, I do have some concerns at second and short. That might take a little while for them. But they're veterans and they're pros, and they are are not going to be rusty because they've been playing baseball, just not with each other. If they were coming back from an injury. If they were inactive for whatever reason, I think that might be a bigger yeah. concern. But the White Sox, you look at, you mentioned Colas. He was playing center field. He's that good of an athlete where they would trust him and they're preparing for using him there if Luis Robert encounters injury the way that he has so often. So I like Benintendi in left field, and I think Luis Robert, it's harder to adjust to playing alongside or in the middle of limited outfielders it's easier to make that transition and adjustment if they're new players when they're capable 
and Andrew Benintendi is more than capable of playing left field, and Oscar Colas has proven to be already somebody you're not going to cringe every time there's a fly ball hitting, hit down the uh, right field line. We have to get ready for Nick Madrigal of the Cubs to join us next on Inside the Clubhouse. More Cubs and Sox talk until 11 a.m. Yeah, we can talk to Nick Magical about what it's like to make the transition from from one infield spot to another and other, other things about his ability to make this Cubs opening day roster. He will join us next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. That's a fair ball. It's going to drive in one. It might chase in a pair. The long-legged Bellinger rounding third, heading to the plate. Here comes the relay towards home. He slides in safely. Madrigal safe at third with a two-run double. Cubs lead two to nothing. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Thank you, Pat Hughes, for that highlight. Earlier this spring, Nick Madrigal driving in another run. Nick Madrigal is somebody, Bruce, in a crowded infield could extend his career likely and also Im- increase his value to the Cubs if he learns to play different positions that's what this spring has been dedicated to at least in part seen him at third base he knows we know he can play some second base didn't he play shortstop in college so is he the guy that you could envision being a utility player is that is that aiming low too low for Nick Madrigal what do you think about his season this year and then his future beyond yeah, it, it's funny, uh, you know, when, when people say, uh, you know, reestablish himself. Nick has really never had much of a chance because of injury to establish himself. You know, he, he was the guy that was a high draft pick from the Chicago White Sox only a few years ago. Um, you know, he was looking like, you know, a guy, you know, he got the, the nickname uh, Nicky Two Strikes because he never struck out, you know. He, he doesn't strike out very often. He doesn't swing and miss very often. So getting the opportunity is one thing. Being able to stay healthy on the field is the other. And Nick Madrigal, I've seen this spring training, David, is a healthy Nick Madrigal, a guy that really has his legs under him. I didn't see that last year. I didn't see that the year before. He was still dealing with injury. I see a, a different physicality out of him, uh, out of the box, and and his legs under him on defense. So I think, I think there's, a, there's a very high bar to hit for Nick Madrigal. When we talk about his roster spot being tenuous, when we talk about Christopher Morrell maybe benefiting from some time at Iowa, is it an either-or proposition in your mind, Bruce? Do you, are, is it down between those two guys? Because let's face it, Nick Madrigal is playing third base at a position where they have some – depth options they have some other alternatives but if he can do it capably on defense you know he's going to hit so that would likely improve his chances of making that roster yeah you know uh, because of the dh now you know everything's changed in the national league and uh and nick would you know for instance today in the cubs lineup nick madrigal is leading off playing third base okay nick madrigal can hit in numerous positions uh on the cubs as long as he has the belief of the team, the manager behind him, that he is going to be the Nick Madrigal that everybody envisioned him being in the past. That's the guy that's uh, going to make contact, going to make some things happen, and uh, be able to be on base and be able to be driven in when he is on there. So I, I think there's a huge benefit for, uh, for him and in, in the lineup with the Cubs this year. 
Is there anything, any reason to believe that, you know, you look at Dansby Swanson, you look at Nico Horner, if they stay healthy, they're both guys that want to play and likely will play, what, 145 games? That's going to be, you know, something that makes them solid up the middle and Nick Madrigal will make the most of his opportunities elsewhere. And that brings us out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find our guest, Nick Madrigal. Nick, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. How are you this morning? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I know it's early out there, especially with the time change, but I we were talking about your uh, your role and your willingness to try third base this spring training and everything that goes into that. How is that going, and how big of an adjustment has it been? Yeah, I mean, so far it's been great. You know, I've had uh, you know a lot of coaches, you know, doing a lot of early work and just really breaking it down from, you know, the start. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been something, you know, something new to me you know haven't played much of it but um yeah i think so far it's going pretty well you know i credit to this coaching staff and guys that are helping me along the way but i mean i think so far the transition's been you know pretty pretty simple you know i haven't got you know every single play out there yet but um i think the ones that i have gotten you know they've you know i felt pretty comfortable out there so yeah hopefully i can keep it going nick uh welcome to the show thanks for being ready for us two weeks in a row we appreciate that very much uh, I, I wonder uh, if you would respond to the comments. David David Ross said this spring he's looking at you for the first time and seeing the type of player that you can be. In other words, he talked about your legs being under you, that you are being able to go full bore without thinking about whether you're going to be injured or not or whether you're favoring anything. Do you have the same concept that he has, that you're just back to being Nick Madrigal, the ball player that everybody loved to watch and can do a lot of things on the field? Yeah, I would say definitely. You know, I think uh, even looking at some of the highlights last year and the swing and just everything, you know, I almost cringe just looking at it, you know, because I was just, you know, I was in a completely different spot then. And, uh, you know, I was trying to just do everything I could for the team. And, you know, I, I felt like I can go out there and still help the team. And, you know, I just – you know, it wasn't the same, you know, but I, I gave it everything I had. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, were, you know, had mixed opinions, but I mean, deep down, it, it was something I was battling with. You know, I know last spring I felt completely different. I, you know, one, one of the days I had to get pulled from stretch because my hamstring was just so locked up and just, yeah, in a completely different spot. But I mean, now I feel great. You know, I feel like I'm able to steal bags, take the extra base and just be aggressive. You know, I've always played that way. Um, you know, last year I kind of had to put that on, you know, the back burners a bit and be smart about my health. But, I mean, this year I feel like I'm, you know, full go and able to, you know, really show the team what I can do out there. Nick, I've seen references to this, but I'd like to hear it from you personally while we have you. How did an interview you saw from Scott Rowland, the Hall of Famer, affect or, or help you watch balls coming off of the bat at third base in a way that was different than the way that maybe you did at second base or at shortstop? Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, my older brother was watching, you know, MLB network and, you know, they always have, you know, different segments on there, you know, uh, you know, star players on there every now and then. And, uh, you know, it was Scott Rowan explaining third base and just his insight, you know, little tips and tricks for guys that are playing the third base position and uh yeah just one thing that really stuck with me he was explaining you know the different visuals of third base and you know 
instead of watching the ball all the way into the zone like you would up the middle, you know, you you don't have enough time to do that. You know, you got to, right when the pitcher starts breaking for home, just look at the front of the zone and, uh, you know, expect the ball to, you know, come your way. Um, you know, you got to read the barrel and just things like that. I mean, it was something so simple it sounded like but it just made a huge difference you know because uh i mean learning the position you don't think of the little things you know you're you're so used to tracking the ball you know in the middle of the field your whole life but you know coming over third base just you know i didn't think of that but it's made a huge difference and uh yeah it's, it's just funny one of those little things made you know has helped me feel a lot more comfortable and uh you know it's still a work in progress but um yeah i owe a lot of credit to him for sure Nick Madrigal, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David and Bruce. We're here for you every week talking baseball 9 to 11 on the score on Inside the Clubhouse. Nick, uh, we know that uh, the mental edge and the mental skills portion of baseball is so essential right now. And having that ability to uh, talk to people about uh, the psychological impact of the game and how you're approaching it. How essential has that been for you over the last three years? Uh, dealing with injury and trying to uh, to cope, uh, you know, just as a young man growing up, let alone just a b- ball player, and uh, trying to stay positive and uh, in a good place all the way along. Uh, how how essential has that part of uh, of baseball been for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, there's been a lot of lot of uh, tough times the last couple of years. You know, things that. You know, it was not, you know, part of the, you know, plan A. You know, I, I never expect things that happen. Um, but, you know, it's really tested my faith, and uh, I owe a lot of credit credit to my support system, my family, and just the people around me. I mean, in uh, those times, whether you're in a sling or on crutches, in a wheelchair, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to get, you know, down and really listen to, you know, all the outside noise in those times. Um, you know, I really just try to stay positive and, you know, you know, trust my faith and just know that there's better days to come, you know. So I, I feel like, you know, just at this point, being able to run the bases and feel and just, I mean, I'm so thankful to be in this position, you know, because there's been a lot of hours, you know, you know, up at night, not able to sleep, you know, uh, brace around my, you know, hamstring and just, you know, or in a shoulder sling, just, just so many different things, you know. But I've, I've always, you know, believed and, you know, you know, there'd be better days to come. So, um, just so thankful to be here in spring and just enjoying the guys and being back on the field. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of nights, a lot of prayers and just, you know, a lot of pep talks from, you know, my support system around me. So I um, owe a lot of credit to them. Nick, you are a relentlessly positive guy. And I think that's why a lot of fans like hearing from you and are rooting for you. I just wonder when you entered this spring training, you know, the, how, how much greater was the sense of urgency because of the moves the Cubs did make in the offseason, because of maybe how uh, the uncertainty that might have uh, created for you in terms of feeling like you had a roster spot? How, how was it coming in, and where are you right now feeling secure about your role? You know, I think uh, initially, uh, to be completely honest, you know, I mean, there was a lot of questions in my mind and things that, you know, a lot of doubt that crept in and just, you know, not sure what what my role was, you know, um, but I, I mean, again, I was leaning on my support system and just just stayed positive and just focused on what I, I can control, you know, and I was getting prepared and getting my body right to show up to spring to, you know, play my game and just, you know, I felt like once I got over just 
you know, I can't control everything, you know, other than just being ready to go. I, I felt a lot better. You know, I wasn't sure. I still don't know what the lineup card is going to look like, you know, at this point. But, you know, I'm staying positive. I, I feel like I can help this team in a lot of ways. And just I'm trying to be the best teammate I can to these guys. You know, this this organization and situation is, you know, so much bigger than I am, you know, personally. Um, so I feel like, you know, I, I, I have felt a, a lot better just enjoying each and every day, you know, rather than, worrying what the opening day lineup card is going to look like or the rest of the season you know i feel like once i accepted that you know i feel like every single day i've just had so much fun out here and just you know i've played better not worrying about stats or what it's going to look like um but yeah i think that's that's my overall you know kind of process at the moment nick how how has the clubhouse experience uh, been enhanced and changed with uh great veterans like uh, bellinger and uh Mancini and Hosmer coming in, Barnard. Uh, what is what has that been like? Uh, you know, there's a lot of new important players on the team. How how, do, how is that look, and how is that impacting uh, you guys preparing every day? Yeah, I, I think you know I give a lot of credit to the front office. I mean, not only they got you know a ton of talent, but um, these guys are incredible in the clubhouse. I mean, it's you can just feel you know the energy inside the clubhouse and just. You know, guys are joking around on a daily basis. No matter if you're an older guy or younger guy, I mean, there's just great vibes going around camp. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know, you know, Hosmers, Barnhart, Mancini, all those guys. I mean, they're, you know, because they've played in some, you know, the biggest games and on the biggest stage, you know, and they have a lot of knowledge and, uh, you know, super, super humble guys. And just, you know, it's going to make for, a, you know, a fun year. And I, I feel like, you know, if you have those clubhouse, you know, friendships, it really does translate on the field. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, playing with those guys. Nick, as a high-energy guy, when you get into the box, there's a pitch clock. There are rules now you have to, you know, follow. Everything happens faster. The pace quickens. Does that give you any advantages in, in your mind? Do you think this plays to your strengths? Um, you know, I don't know if the pitch clock, you know, really plays into anyone's strengths. I think it's just, one of those things it's 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 a little weird at first you know i you know there's been tons of conversations in the clubhouse um you know for example i had a an unbat uh not just last game but the one before you know i I fouled off maybe like six or seven pitches you know i was kind of out of breath at the point but i I used my timeout early in that bat so i didn't really have any other option other than to step back in the box and get ready so it's just one you know something that it is a little different at first, and you got to kind of figure out the certain pace of your at-bat because, I mean, everyone out here has their own routines and just, I mean, they've been doing it for years, you know. So to kind of speed up those routines in a way is, you know, just a little bit, you know, kind of awkward at first. But, um, you know, I think it's good for baseball. You know, it's you know it's nice not standing on your feet for three and a half, four hours, you know, out there. But um, it is a little bit different at first. But I think everyone will get used to it at some point. Nick, uh, David and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us two weeks in a row. Uh, we, we promise not to call you a third one, but we will promise <laughs> to call you down the line. All the best of luck to you, and uh, looking forward 12 days from now seeing you in opening day at Wrigley Field. Thank you, Nick. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Nick Madrigal, the Cubs infielder, hopefully on the roster on opening day, Bruce. You, you, you root for a guy like that who is as positive as, and has been through as much as he has been through. Didn't expect the injuries, probably set him back a little bit and never has been fully healthy. As you said, when I talk about Nick Madrigal coming back and 
you know, re reestablishing himself. I guess he's got to establish himself first, but he's an easy guy to root for. The the bizarre part of baseball is you look at a, a guy the size of Madrigal and the fact that he was a second baseman, and you put him at third, and people say he can't play third. He's a, a little guy. He's he's you know, third basemen have to be six feet tall or or taller. They have to be home run hitters and. In today's baseball, that, that doesn't apply anymore. Uh, if you can play the position defensively, you can fit in the lineup anywhere. You can be any type of hitter you want as long as you have the satisfaction of having other positions filled with guys that that put the, put the ball out of the ballpark. Madrigal's case, he would be a guy that makes contact and gets on base to, to score. So it, it takes a little adjustment of your mind to look at a guy – that's you know maybe five five ten or something like that five nine and uh, and envision him a third baseman. But from from everything we've seen in spring training, he's done the job and has impressed Ross and the coaches. When we come back for our ninth inning, I want to ask Bruce about the closer situation for the World Baseball Classic teams and what happened this week if it affects his thoughts about the entire tournament in general. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine here, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. Okay, Bruce, the Mets lose their closer for the season. Edwin Diaz tore his patellar tendon in the celebration after he struck out the side for Team Puerto Rico against Dominican, the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. Some people have looked at that reality for the Mets, difficult one to accept because he just signed a big contract as well. They had World Series aspirations, still do as a referendum on the World Baseball Classic. What do you think it does in terms of how you view it moving forward and how it should be viewed? I, I think it's just injuries happen. They could happen as easily in spring training as they could celebrating, you know, a big victory. So I don't want to overreact to this, even though some people have. Well, if you want to bring in the economic factor, Major League Baseball uh, ensures all the contracts for players that get hurt during the World Baseball Classic. So the Mets are not on the hook for the contract so that softens the blow a little bit doesn't help the fan base or the team win this year what it does allow them to do is if there's other free agents out there in normal teams where they weren't spending 300 million dollars in a payroll they'd have the money to go out there and do it in the case of steve Cohn of the mets he's going to do it regardless uh, there's just not a lot of people out there anymore you know there's zach Britton who Numerous teams have been passing on all spring training long because he's not Zach Britton from three years ago. Uh, he's Zach Britton right now after injury. So uh, from that perspective, it helps. But in general, uh, you know, I've gone up and back with this, and, and you see the excitement for the guys in, in, in their countries. You can't deny how important it is to play for your own country in a big tournament like this. Uh, you know, we, you can't be a curmudgeon and just say, no, they shouldn't play because, like you said, they can get hurt in spring training as well. It just has a bad look when it does happen away from the team and you're trying to accomplish something. It's the same thing with the White Sox with three players who were injured last year for good parts of the season being a part of the uh, uh, WBC, a big part of the, sure. the American team. You don't want to deny them that, but at the same time, you know, what's the priority? Is it okay to support guys like Brian Cashman who say they do draw a hard line? They say, well, I don't want to risk this injury, so I'm not going to let you play in the WBC. But the teams that do allow that accept that risk. So 
there's risk involved in everything, Bruce. And I think that's what I'm saying is that I understand why teams would want to protect their assets by not letting them participate. But once they do that, once they open that door, you have to accept what's on the other side. And this is part of what's on the other side, the uncertainty that comes with any competitive activity. And the ninth inning, even if it's a celebration, it doesn't really matter the circumstances. There's risk that you accept when you allow him to pitch. You see the intelligence of Freddie Freeman, who felt some tightness in his uh, hamstring playing for the American team, and pulled himself out, uh, said it wasn't a tear, they confirmed it wasn't a tear, and then immediately went to Dodger camp. Okay, and said, okay, I'm not playing for a World Baseball Classic. I'm playing for the Dodgers. I'm going to get my treatment there and back in the lineup in two days. Uh, that, that's the way you'd like to see it professionally done by everybody. Uh, you know, again, uh, I don't think there's a perfect way here, but I, I don't think it's our right to tell a guy not to play for a country. I, I, think, it's, I think it's Cashman's right because their season's depending on it, and, you know, you appeal to the fact that, you know, we need you to be getting back in condition here at Yankee camp under our medical staff and our coaches so that we're confident you're ready to go. Uh, injury factors should play a part in it, you know, whether guys that were injured before and the team's comfortable sending them out there. But I don't think there's a clear-cut answer to this every four years. All right, Bruce, I have some clear-cut homework for you this week. Go home. Figure out your predictions for 2023 and see if I'm going to be right more often than you are this year like I was last year. So we're going to make our predictions next Saturday morning. How's that sound? Yeah, I came close on Dylan Cease. I, I will have we'll have a surprise for you in my prediction on Yohan Mankata. Okay, I cannot wait. Surprise. Thank uh, you we for setting this to up today, David. Yeah, uh, we, we have a lot we, of people, people to thank. Uh, we Go we thank uh, Cesar for a, a job well done. Uh, producing our show. Also, Nick Madrigal of the Cubs and uh, Ryan Dempster with his new job with MLB Network. Uh, good luck to Demp. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also on our website, 670thescore.com. Our big, big preview show, as David said, next Saturday morning. Bruce, thank you for all your contributions, setting up the guests. Thank you to everyone who called, who text, texted, and who listened. And thank you for uh, being back to talking baseball here on Inside the Clubhouse. See you next Saturday morning, talking baseball. See you on Monday morning, talking about everything about a busy weekend in sports on the Mullinghaw Show beginning at 5.30. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.